and welcome to Blaze Pod. It's Monday, fourth of January. Happy New Year to everybody listening, and Happy New Year to you, Andrew. Mate, how you doing? All right. Happy New Year to yourself as well. It's just getting, uh, it's just normal now, isn't it? This losing and then doing a pod. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have some uh, normality in the world. Yes, I know. We had a, a few days, a few days break in between games, and then twenty twenty one kicks off and. Uh, pretty much just the same as the previous few games were i suppose so yeah i i guess just to start um i did want to kind of uh basically been thinking that you know we, we basically talk about the same thing every game because that's essentially what happens and yeah. uh you know we get people joking on twitter and stuff like oh you should just copy paste the previous podcast and just like change the team's name but they do sort of have a point there, and to be honest, it's it is a little. Uh, it was quite hard work talking about United at the moment because it's so relentlessly bleak. I suppose we're not even, you know, we're not even really competitive in any of these games, aren't we? I think uh, it feels like we only lose them by the odd goal because the other team doesn't have to try particularly hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So starting new year, we're going to refocus. We're obviously going to still talk about every game, but we're going to try and. Uh, bring a sort of a bit more creativity to these podcasts as well and uh, dip into the past a little bit, which is yeah, what we're going to do good. in the second half of this podcast. We'll talk about Palace first, but then, um, yeah, we're going to introduce a new section, which I think we'll call Memorable Matches for now, which uh, I think is fairly a fairly accurate description, um, which is basically a meaningful match for each of us dipping into United's past. I think when we you know, when we when we were first in lockdown as a country and there was and there was no football, I really enjoyed doing those uh, retrospective things. Yeah, 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 me too. Um yeah. and so now there is football but it's awful and I want to ignore it. Yeah, yeah. I think um I think yes, this will hopefully fill the gap a little bit. So I've uh, watched more old videos than games actually happening at the moment this season do you know what i mean like old goals and stuff just because it comes up on youtube recommendations i'm not really pro- don't think i watched a match again this weekend other than ours yeah there's a great thread but i don't know sent you but if anyone's not seen it yeah. uh rory smith who's a football writer for the i think the new york times um excellent mm-hmm. writer anyway but yeah he sort of just laid it out yesterday the the lack of a, a a sort of defined match day for the premier league like there is no Saturday three o'clock anymore. Certainly in the Premier League anyway, because there's only one game a week, and every every single Premier League game has its own time slot. So basically, we're we're exposed to so much football that it's it's just become wallpaper. I think was the word he used. It's kind of meaningless now. And I mean, I have this now. I'm like just constantly surprised when there's a match on. That it, you know, obviously, <laughs> yeah. obviously not a United match. I know when they those are generally. Yeah. But yeah, it's like what there was there was Premier League football. Oh, there's probably some matches tonight, and then yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Wednesday played New Year's Day. I had no idea until about an hour before kickoff. And then Wednesday, fab mate messaged me and just said, "Oh, I, can't, I fancy us. T- oh, I don't fancy us today." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got Derby? What? I did, yeah, it's just all over the place." But they're really good thread because, like, I think it's it's hard for us in it as Sheffield United fans to sort of be objective because we're so bad. Yeah, I can't work out myself whether I've just gone off football a lot because we're that bad or if it's because it's just constantly in your face and it's a, obviously an inferior product to what we've been used to well all those lies really so mm. i hate watching i hate seeing teams score and then just do a high five with each other it's really getting to because obviously there's no fan it's just it just seems so half-hearted yeah i know anyway speaking of half-hearted <laughs> <it's a> good... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's talk about the crystal palace game let's uh, let's Let's get it covered off. Um, there's some there's some positive things I can say about this. We'll get to them in a second. Um, first of all, 300 appearances for Chris Basham. 
100 for John Egan and uh, and one for a young man that we will get onto, I suppose. Um, but yeah, we probably should get the uh, the miserable part of this podcast out of the way, I guess. And that is, this game was just abject, really, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I, this is kind of why I want to introduce a, a new sort of section to the podcast because I could very easily just splurge out 40 minutes of what we've basically said for the last three or four weeks. But yeah, this was desperate viewing, I thought. What, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean... I listened to the Tufty Club uh, podcast after the game, and um, they basically said after that three minutes, whatever it were, when they scored, we could have just shook hands and walked off. <laughs> and I really do think that'd have been better for everyone. Say, yeah, good game, lads. You got your three minutes. We'll, we'll go home now and have a rest. I thought, yeah, I think weirdly. I mean, I don't. This is how I'm getting to the games at the moment. Normally, when I'm watching matches, even if it's on TV, I'm at the edge of my seat and sort of I never look at my phone. I don't. I'm so late. I laid on my bed sort of watching the game, just scrolling through Twitter and Shoutbox and talking to yourself and a couple of other mates and things. I've never watched a game like that. That's how sort of out of sync I am with what's... It's almost like you're not watching a real game to me. It's almost like you're watching a a friendly and you're not really that bothered. And It's just straight. It's like watching an England friendly <laughs> to me at the moment. Lovely. That's how like, out, out of it I feel in terms of emotional contact with it. Um, but yeah, I was reading on Shoutbox, and someone, was, and a couple of people saying, oh, "I think this is a better performance than recent weeks." And I, I can't, yeah, I'm not like sort of, I'm not seeing that myself to be honest, because I thought that they went one. It, what was funny is we had a shot with Bogle, our one real shot of the entire game, and they were almost like then Palace thought, "Oh, hang on, we might have to score two. We'll just do it, bang, yeah. <laughs> right, game over." And I thought the second half were appalling, considering we were two 0 down. They just, I mean, they're not a good Premier League side, Palace. They're, they're miles better than us, but they're not. A, they're not one of the top top teams, and they just cruised, absolutely cruised to victory. I thought it were an appalling display. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, I would say it was dispiriting if it was, um, you know, not just sort of the latest in a in a line mm-hmm. of defeats that um, means we're. Oh goodness knows what the uh, like percentage chance of us getting relegated is from here, but it's got to be in the nineties. I would have thought. Yeah. Um. I mean, we'll say there's a the caveat. We did have nine senior players out, which I guess is just yeah. again is in keeping with our season. I mean, what do we we pick four outfield subs? I think so. One, one keeper, four outfield subs. Yeah. One of, one of whom is a sixteen-year-old who isn't really involved in our under twenty-threes at the moment. I mean, the team's a total mess. I mean, we were starting Basham in midfield in a Premier League game, and it was that was actually the best option that we had. Yeah. In midfield, this is it. When it when that happened, I was like, yeah, I'm happy with that, and. We all, he's not even a championship. I love Basham, but he's not a championship midfielder. You won't want him in your championship midfield week in, week out. To ask him to do it in the Premier League, and like you say, he's probably the best option in there. Yeah. I think it just tells a thousand stories, really. Yeah, it really does. I, mean, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, actually, that I'd, I'd really like to see all our starting lineups uh, laid out side by side so we could see the changes and stuff. And uh, yeah, Brad D24 came through on Twitter. What a guy! <laughs> he did exactly that. A nice table laying out uh, yeah. every team, every lineup that we've played so far, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not very pleasant viewing to be honest. Um, yeah. You know, just in terms of the the constant changes with with injury and loss of form, and just just scrambling about trying to find something that works. If you do want to see it, um, just uh, check my Twitter because I posted it a couple of days ago with Brad's very kind permission. Um, I mean, we know that left centre-back's obviously a massive mess this season and we're on God knows what option to try and replace O'Connell, but the midfield as well, I mean, 
just all over the place when you see uh you know some we have so many players not only uh not only different uh, trios playing each week but then playing like different positions as well um yeah. so no one has started three consecutive game uh, more than three consecutive games in the middle of our midfield three um Incredible. and then up front we this is in 15 games so I know we play 17 now but uh, up to 15 games we've started eight different combinations of strikers in 15 games like it's <laughs> just yeah. haven't got a clue what's going on have we it's insanity isn't it and I love how uh, on the commentary that George McGoldrick is he's their top goal scorer it's like yeah everyone else has only got one yeah. <laughs> it's not like I mean I thought to be honest I thought it was the one player McGoldrick again who I think could walk off the pitch and probably say oh we're alright yeah, I think you were our best player. I think he try. He's the only person. Everyone else seems to be passing responsibility on. They get the ball and they'll, you know, they'll do a, a short pass backwards or you know, nothing really happens. He's the only one who's trying a little bit different, and it's not always coming off. But mm. I think he's yeah. At the moment, I think he's on course for being my player of the season at the moment uh, because I think he's he's the only one who who looks like he's anywhere near the levels of last year. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I was asked to do a preview for. Um... Uh, Palace website beforehand, and yeah, the they sort of <laughs> the standard opposition question of like, who is your danger man going into this yeah, game? Yeah. <laughs> Just leave this section blank. But um, yeah. yeah, I did. <laughs> I did put McGoldrick as like probably the only the only attacker I think certainly that can hold his head up high and say like, I've I've done about what can be asked of me this season. I think. Um, uh, well, one other player I, I think would be in the conversation of player of the season so far is a defender. That's George Baldock, but. He mm. missed out on this game, which is significant because it's the the end of his hundred percent Premier League record. Which yeah. absolutely hats off to him. He's played not just every single game, but every single minute of yep. the previous fifty four Premier League games consecutively. So that was an awesome effort. Um, it's I, a strange one that because obviously Baldock, we've all wanted Baldock to see him, to see what's happening and stuff. But he has been one of the best players, Baldock. So I was expecting if. Bogle did come in, it'd be a more further forward thing. And I do think, actually, in the second half in particular, Bogle did a bit in the final third that were all right, decent sort of stuff. Mm. I just thought defensively we were really poor. But he can find himself a little bit unlucky to be dropped. But at the same time, I can understand why they want to see Bogle in that position as well. So Yeah, I've, I didn't really, uh, I didn't hear anything about this, so feel free to jump in. But my, I, I got, my guess was this was just like a bit of rotation rather than four. Possible, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I thought Bogle was okay, particularly going forward. We we only seem to attack down the right in the first half. We just yeah. The commentators going. again, they're always like saying sort of, uh, well, they seem to be going down the right in this game. It's like we do it every match. It's, it's not like <laughs> sort of, like they seem quite surprised that they're only attacking down the right. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, I didn't think. I think whereas Bashir in midfield, we definitely lost that overlapping thing as well from him at centre half. Uh, I thought Ampadu were really poor, to be honest, in this match. Really, really poor. And I just think that that position is just tailor-made for Basham. And I think we'll probably get a bit more joy if Basham had been playing at centre-half rather than midfield. But again, you know, I would have called him for it for him to play in midfield. So I can't knock Wilder for trying it. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, on, on Baldock, I mean, even, even with him missing that game, I look this up. Um, there's only 10 outfield players in the whole Premier League who've played more minutes than him so far this season, which is... For a Moussa. <laughs> <laughs> Moussa is, is not on that list, unfortunately. Um, just on, on the team, uh, someone on Twitter put this to me. Uh, 68 Princeton asked, 
was was that eleven that we started against Palace weaker than Warnock's final Blades eleven in two thousand and seven? So let me just give you that team. That was Kenny in goal, uh, Jagielka, Morgan, Kilgallen, and Geary in defence. Gillespie, Montgomery, Tong, and Stephen Quinn in midfield. Nade and Stead up front. What do you reckon? I think the Warnock team's better. To be honest, I think the, the defence is miles better. Uh, I think Morgan, Jagielka, Kilgallen, Geary all had really good seasons that year. Um, I think Jagielka obviously went on to, and Kilgallen went on to have play in the Premier League as well. Um, Paddy Kenny, yeah, I think it, at that particular moment he's better than Ramsdale is now in terms of his consistency. We haven't got anyone like Montgomery, have we, at the moment, in terms of just someone who can run around and tackle and sort of get stuck in. I suppose he's Basham. Uh, I suppose on paper we look better up front now. Would you say? I, yeah, I think on I think on paper is the only bit where I'd go. Excuse me, up front on paper is the only yeah. bit where I'd go. Yeah, to, modern iteration is better than Nardi instead, which which sounds bizarre given that, um, that only McGoldrick has scored. Yeah. Actually, striker Sharp's got a penalty, but Bernie scored. Sharp's got a Sharp's got, but Bernie scored a header. Yeah, yeah, and McGoldrick's got the other goals. I don't think any of our other forwards have scored. Have they? Burke obviously no, hasn't. Bruce did. One were a pen again, weren't it? Sander Burke. We only scored five, out, I think. Mm, no, we scored eight. We scored eight. Wow, I think so. Miss, miss, must have missed three of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I think that Warnock team is better, certainly than the way that I think the current team's players are better. They're not mm. playing better this season. That Warlock team beats this team now, definitely, undoubtedly. Yeah, even Probably how comfortable two 0 Even how badly we played on that day of that team against Wigan, yeah, yeah. probably still yeah. would take it, I suppose. Um, right, so this game, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we were, th- we were goal down after three minutes with a uh, just you know two two deflections, kind of. I think almost mask our defi- deficiencies in a way. You know, ball gets deflected to the. Um, it's, well, just the way the ball breaks to uh, to Schlupp, who passes it into the net, and yeah, I mean, it, it barely registers for me anymore. I was I was yeah. watching, I set out to watch this game really intently because, like you, I felt myself drifting quite a lot in some of these other games, and you know that's that's not a a, a great position to be in when you're trying to record a podcast about it. I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. I was like, right, I'm, I'm fully focused. Like, you know, I'm going to be really actively engaged in, in watching my football team during this mm. game. And then it's, it's sort of, you know, as soon as the ball breaks, you see the deflection. It's like, oh, that's one nil. And you know, sure enough, it curves into the net. And it's just like, well, yeah, I suppose that's the end of the game, really, isn't it? <laughs> you know? It is. Like I said on the Tufty podcast, they were saying just shake after that, blow the whistle, right? Well done, lad. See you later. See you next week, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, that what happened after that, I think we had a 10 minute spell just before they scored where we looked a bit more dangerous, putting a few passes together and stuff like that. And like I said, I think Palace got a bit lazy. And we've, it's interesting because we talked about this last week, obviously, about our teams just sort of letting us back into it almost by being they know that they don't have to do much and I do wonder if Palace just got a bit sort of we've got this in the bag we're far better than them and then we sort of put a little bit of pressure on them and they thought oh we better score and they did <laughs> it's just, I, don't, I know it's not as simple as that but it, you know that's exactly what it felt like it's like oh, we're, we're getting back into this slow like oh it's 2-0 <laughs> yeah they really really looked like that for sure there, there was um, just on the sort of let, let's just shake hands after three minutes there was a point in the second half where I don't know, it was about 70 minutes gone, something like that. And, um, you know, they had a few players down injured, like, in quite quick succession. Mm. And I was like, oh, come on, these, these guys don't want to play the rest of the game. They just want to finish now. Yeah. Surely 
just makes sense just to call it off from this point. Yeah. We're not getting back into it. I mean, we we, we were joking, or, or I was joking anyway, you know, how many shots are we going to have? You know, we're going to go down in three minutes. And, um, yeah, I put it to you. But after about five minutes, how many shots do you think we will actually have in this? Not uh, not can we get in back into it, but how many shots will we have? Yeah. And uh, you, you went for two, I went for five. Yeah. And I've got to say, going in, I think going into the 85th minute, I was like, I have been wildly optimistic about how many shots. Gonna... And then we yeah. we had a couple of pot shots right at the end and got over five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's awful. That is really dreadful. You're losing from the third minute. And I think we were up to, like, the 60th before we had our second shot or something like that. And even that was like a, you know, just one deflected into a mass of bodies, that kind of yeah. thing. That's I was about to say, how many major tra- chances would you say we created? Well, none. I mean, I would yeah. say we had one proper shot in the entire game, and yeah. that was the Boga one you mentioned. You know, one good move and one good shot, and and that was it. It was, it was we were slow, weak, everything you can, um, you know, everything we've lobbed at United as a criticism for, so far this season. And, yeah, that second goal, man, I mean, that was a... That was... I was a bit embarrassed, to be honest. That was, yeah, I was. I, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, <clears throat> I think that might be the worst goal we've conceded this season. Like not not from a technical point of view, in terms of like you know just an awful scramble or a goalkeeping error or anything like that. It was just it was just pathetic. I mean, yeah, I, I was I was actually surprised how uh, how much praise Eze got for the goal because you know they were kind of describing it like like Maradona dribbling from the halfway yeah. line kind of thing. And yes, he did dribble from the halfway line, but we didn't put any yeah, pressure my, on him whatsoever. My mate's a Leeds fan. He said, he, he said, I've just seen your second goal. What the hell's going on? And I said, yeah, I mean, I think even the neutrals who are watching it, it's almost one of those sort of goals where I think young kids, eight year old might say, what a goal, dad. He's took four people on and put it in the corner. I think people who know a little bit about the game say, how has he managed to just walk through that defence? Don't get me wrong, the finish is good and all this sort of stuff, and, and he's got the the ball to take it forward when he's got the ball, do you know what I mean? And he, he's actually ran at his push, something we never do. Mm. You know, oh, my. I, I really, really... It reminded me, I said to my mate, it reminded me of when you're playing FIFA and your mate goes to the toilet <laughs> and you're losing, so you put his, you unpause the game and then just dribble past his defence and put it in and he comes back and goes, what's going on? It's 1-1. I don't know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't even like... It wasn't even like we got defenders backpedalling away from him. There just was no defence. You know, Norwood yeah. doesn't even attempt to keep up with him particularly. He basically just runs in a straight line from the halfway line and then passes it into the net under no pressure at all. I mean, Did you see Norwood's interview after? Uh, no, but I have I've heard about it. Do you want to? Yeah, you... it's just that he said, "Well, I think Ampadu should have brought him down," which is probably right. But Norwood doesn't really cover himself in glory, to be honest, in that particular goal. No, and and not in this particular match, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah Ampadu with a just a just a, oh, such just really weak defending. I, I've, yeah, he's, he's sort of... Uh, what's the opposite of endearing yourself? <laughs> Unendearing himself to me with I, each it's, passing. It's, it's difficult because I, I I think he's been awful pretty much on the whole, but like the rest of them. I don't know if you can write him off as a player because he's playing in an absolutely abysmal team. He probably doesn't even want to be here, to be honest. He, it, nobody wants to be in a team that's losing every week. You don't play for us. He's not contracted to us. He's got no loyalty to us or anything like that. I'm not saying he's not... Well, this to be honest, this entire game, we've said all that. I think they're putting the effort in. I don't know if we're. I, we just look like we're going through the motions, and I think he sort of sums that up with that sort of tackle. To be honest, 
Yeah, we we definitely looked that way on uh, on Saturday. I mean, if we if we had more than like fourteen fit senior players, I'd um, mm. I'd suggest that it would make sense for him to go back to Chelsea. I think it makes sense for him to be honest. I mean, completely. I, I, it's better for him to go to a Championship club. Yeah, I think so. Or a well, I doubt he'll go to a, a, a higher Premier League club no. straight from us, for example. But um, yeah, I, I can't believe that we are helping his development as a footballer right now, and uh, he's certainly not helping our attempts to pick up more points. No. Um, yeah, that, I mean that was two nil, uh, a, a nice goal from Eze, but just awful defending that made me. I mean, what was that? That was the fiftieth minute, wasn't it? In terms, yeah, because of... Wilder were complaining after about it, it running over. And he's, he admitted himself he's clutching at straws mm. straight after he made the comment, which it is. And, yeah, it probably was a bit over, but you just see it out, don't you? It's not... I mean, it, it's, it's... I'm going out with all the cliches and stuff, but it is schoolboy defending. It, it's so naive. It's, and like I said, this is what I mean. It, it did look like a team was... I think if you're watching this as a neutral, you're looking at that goal and you're saying, well, they've given up. Yeah, it's a, it very much looked like that, unfortunately. And, yeah, we... Never, ever threatened to get back into it in the second half. A um, yeah. couple of things to tick off. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like we're bothering with VAR now when it comes to Sheffield United. <laughs> no, so, now it's a hard, yeah, with his uh, little slap. Yeah, which I think could very easily have been a red card. Um, yeah. And yet again, uh, the fact that, you know, Bogle just sort of goes like, like shrugs and mm-hmm. walks away from it probably means they have an easier decision to make. I. Yeah. I'd be surprised if the majority of other Premier League teams would react to getting slapped in the face like that. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like he... Or Zahar um, himself, for instance. Or Zahar <laughs> himself. Yeah, I think I said that early on, didn't I? What will, have, what will there be more of, fouls on Zahar or shots by United? Well, <laughs> yeah. I think I needed to give the shots like plus five or something to make that a contest. Cause, that, yeah. that was in the view from after said, oh, I don't blame Zahar because he was getting kicked all game. It's like, I wish he was getting kicked all game because it might have shown a little bit of... <laughs> bit of aggression from us but we we did actually stick the boot in quite a lot to be fair yeah I mean at one point it was 10-1 on fouls in the first half and I was like and normally when that's the case it's because the other the team that's getting fouled all the time I was like 70% possession but we had more of the ball it's just Palace like every Premier League team apart from us and possibly West Brom have players who can dribble and yeah. You know, well, I think even Brent West Brom have a couple. I think Pierre and um, Diagana. Di Dean and Agana, yeah. Dean and Agana. I think they've, <laughs> they've, they're skillful players. They can run. They, I can. I've seen them before. Take a couple of people and put it in a corner, for instance. Yeah, and uh, we don't really have anyone like that. So yeah, eight, eighteen fouls to eight. The final count on that one. But yeah, I thought. Uh, I'm, I doubt this would have affected the game, but some consistency would be nice, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Eze flies into that sort of 50-50 with um, yeah, Ampadu and uh, catches him with his studs on the shin, I've got to say, if that was the other way around, I would expect that to be a red card for us. Um, mm. I mean, it's it's quite similar to what Lundstrom is, uh, has currently finished his three-match ban for, although who knows if he'll actually play for United again, yeah. if he's uh, on his bike somewhere else. Yeah, really, really surprised that that didn't that they didn't even ask the ref to go and look at the monitor for that one. What about Part you? Part of me was quite happy that they didn't get down to ten men because I think that would have added to the humiliation. Because I th- I don't think it would have changed a, a single thing. And no. I think we'd have been sat here now saying, look, last twenty minutes against ten men, we did nothing. <laughs> no, I I get that for sure, but it does also compound the frustration of like yeah. 
Yeah. It just makes me sit there thinking like VAR are like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> already know? gone. Forget yeah. about it. <laughs> Forget it. Who cares? <laughs> um, on a, yeah, on a, on a similar note, um, Luka Milivojevic, the... Uh, Actually, I don't know if he is the captain of Palace, but he certainly used to was. be. He was. He was last season. Yeah, but you know about his, uh, his, his his naughty New Year's Eve party? Yes, he uh, he broke the COVID rules, didn't he? He did break the COVID rules, and uh, he, he broke them by being at a party with Alexandra Mitrovic of Fulham. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Fulham have had their last two games postponed because Ooh. of all the positive COVID cases oh, in that team. Um why is he playing? <laughs> what am I missing? Well, apparently they, they, they asked, because they mentioned it in the commentary, they said, Roy, you said he's disappointed with him, but he's not dropped him. And he's like, right, well, cheers. Well done, Roy. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm sure it wouldn't have actually made any difference to the match whatsoever, but just sort of smacks of that thing of like, eh, it doesn't really matter against United, yeah, the, does it? Yeah. Uh, you're, you're not telling, if that's De Bruyne, for instance, everyone's going mad about that, aren't they? Yeah, I think so, you should probably get a one-match ban for that, to be honest, to say nothing of the uh, I saw someone on safety the, side of it. Oh, I can't remember who it was. It must have been Twitter, and someone put um, that whoever whoever gets caught breaking COVID rules should be banned from all football forever. Forever. <laughs> That's like wow. Jeez. Imagine yeah. that. Coming strong. <laughs> right. Let's let's finish on a little bit of a bright spot with uh, with this game, and that is the debut mm. of a sixteen-year-old I mentioned earlier, Antoine Hackford, our youngest ever Premier League player. Uh, not our youngest ever player. Do you know who that is? Is it Stephen Hawes? Uh, I don't believe so. I think there's been a younger one since. The person I'm thinking of is uh, uh, in the last 10 years. Oh, hang on. You're testing me now. Uh... Might not have made his debut, but certainly rose to prominence under Nigel Clough. Louis Reed. It is indeed Lou Reed. Yeah, youngest, Reed, yeah. youngest Blade debutant. Actually, yeah, maybe I got that wrong. Certainly the youngest debutant since uh, Louis Reed. Is it Louis or Louis? Lewis Reed, Louis Reed, Lewis. Lewis I think, Lewis I think it's Lewis. Um, is I, I think it was his uncle or his dad. Every time I used to do um, view froms for, I used to get the loan updates when he were on loan at Chesterfield, and he was getting hammered every week. He weren't playing very well. Somebody, I can only imagine his part of his family used to pick me up every week and say, "These views are not reflection of the real fans." Why? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, every time I hear the word Lewis Reed, I imagine like someone coming after me. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's not talk about him. Let's talk about Hackford instead. So. <laughs> Yeah, Sheffield lad, uh, he comes on. He gets off the bench onto the pitch uh, and did, did pretty well, I thought. He, uh, yeah, he ends he up having, yeah. having a shot, gets blocked in front of the keeper. Just um, by having a shot, he's done more than Brewster has his entire career. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, good for him. This was a nice, uh, this was like the one sort of, um, I can't really call it a silver lining, but, you know, one... One thing that made me go like, oh, good, we're going to have something nice to talk about yeah, when, we, yeah. when we come to record this podcast. Yeah. I mean... You know, he is, um, I mean, obviously 16 is very young for a Premier League footballer, but, I mean, he's not even listed in our under-23 no. squad on the club's official site at the moment. He he has played for the under-23s, but uh, from what I understand, he's much more involved at under-18, like the development squad level, as you kind of spe- expect given his yeah. age. Um, he, he was involved with the first team in pre-season and obviously very highly thought of. So, he came uh, on against Preston in pre-season. And... Um, I think Hearts. You know, Hearts. Yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah, so maybe Hearts. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was nice to see. Um, I did have somebody. To, I don't know if you saw this, but saying uh, we, it's quite an apt name because we ant won since July. That, I saw that. Uh, that <laughs> is. I wrote that down. Actually, I've not got it on me now, but I thought I need to bring that up because that's just an incredible pun. It's very good. <laughs> L- LJD on Twitter with that one. Um, 
some. I, I think this. I'm going to show my age here. I think this is the first Blades player I can say I'm old enough to be his dad. It's a it's a milestone moment for me. Someone said, "How does Jagielka feel?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. If we get him and Jagielka on the bench, so there'd be a 22 year age difference between them. Mm. Um, I'd love to know if that is the if that hypothetical situation will be the biggest age difference in a Premier League substitutes bench. The only thing I can think of is because sometimes goalkeepers play to like 42, you know, on the bench and just never yeah. play. Even but Mark Swartzer was a was he at Leicester or something? When they won the league, because I think mm. he was on the bench for a couple, he was like forty-two or something like that. Might I think Brad Friedel might be another one, but yeah, it's a good good question. Certainly outfield players, anyway. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's unlikely. Um, yeah, some things that are older than Antoine Hackford. <laughs> Number one, Facebook. Wow. Facebook was created in February two thousand and four. Uh, the final instalment of Lord of the Rings is older. Uh, the single Toxic by Britney Spears. Brilliant. And uh, Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction at the Super Bowl all predate our uh, our latest debutant. And Wednesday, he'd still haven't been in the Premier League. He'd never seen Wednesday <laughs> in the Premier League, has he, since you were born? Uh, so. Mind you, that's true of most of our team, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's very true, yeah. <laughs> so, Back yeah. About 30. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was nice to see. And, um, yeah, presumably he will be. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure how involved he's going to be for the rest of the season. Obviously, no. um, I think players who uh, are currently missing due to COVID will hopefully be available um, for the next game. And then yeah, it's um, two weeks in it. So yeah, and then you've got sort of. I think Burke was just an injury. Lundstrom's suspension is obviously finished. Um, so yeah, we'll see. It'd be nice to see him involved. I a saw little it's more. brilliant because he came on had a shot and I, on the Facebook groups and stuff. I'm not really being looking at anything, but just as I'm scrolling down. I'm seeing like team for the next game, and he's in everyone's team. <laughs> he's like, Climbing we've got goal. to play him. We've got to play him. But like you said, it's because of the excitement of someone new coming in as a young, a young kid, 16 years old. Again, my leads mate message me saying, uh, "No, how old is he really?" I goes, "No, he's 16. You're playing a 16 year old. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's come to. We're playing a 16 year old. But yeah, fair play to him because even if you know whatever happens now in his career, he's done something that the majority of professional footballers never do, and that's play a top flight game." Yeah, good man, and uh, yeah, but hopefully, hopefully, be in the squad for the FA Cup next weekend. Why not? Although, yeah, I think I think he's got it. I think I'd play. The, I mean, I don't know if you're going to come on to it later, but after the Bristol Rovers game, I played pretty much the full team. So I think we need to win. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that right at the end. I think um, that was our first Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff since uh, since pre-COVID, wow. since the the Norwich home game. So almost a year then, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's getting on for ten months or so. Yeah, long, long old time. Um, uh, just one sort of final footnote from me on this game. Uh, thanks to everyone who tweeted me saying you could get sixty-six to one on us not winning a game for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I think my brain just wasn't working when I was like, oh, I guess it's going to be slightly less than fifty-fifty. That's probably, yeah. <laughs> the, pro- probably the dumbest thing I've said on this podcast for a while. Though, uh, feel free to uh, pull me up if there's something more it's dumb. Just Christmas, don't worry about it. Everyone's yeah. been, everyone's not right. Back that, to work today. So <laughs> <laughs> that's sixty-six to one. Mm, it's not quite long enough to be tempting for me. I don't think for the, those odds. What do you reckon? No, I'm, 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 I hate saying this. People are just gonna. I've got I've got the forty to one. Of us getting less than ten points, which is looking more and more. 
I only put a pound on it, to be honest, as a bit of a joke, because it was about five mm. games ago, and I go, I'll put a pound on that, imagine, because if it comes in, and now I'm thinking, should I put a tenner on that? <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> probably going to happen. That's that's a better value bet, I think, because uh, I think we'll probably need to win two games to get 11 points, just because we... insanity that we're talking about this. Do you know yeah. what? I was talking to my mate on Saturday night, and we were, like, talking, he goes, like, oh, do you think we'll get 11 points? I goes, I don't know because you know that means like same as you just said we need to win a couple of games even yeah it'll be tough and then I like just like sort of caught myself and I'm like what am I talking about we can't win two games in 38 or whatever it is it's, it's just mad <laughs> well it's only two in uh, 21 now isn't it so yeah 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 it's, uh, it is getting harder right um, anything else you want to say about uh, about Palace the no. joys of that game no, no? I don't okay. I don't I, I'm not nothing against Palace I, I hate. How they're a, a similar size club to us, I'd say, and somehow they manage. I know they're in London and stuff, but they somehow manage to stay in the Premier League year after year, where we can't do it. That's the only thing I ever think about Palace and stuff like that. So I think I don't know how they've done it to be honest, because they've not lobbed loads of money around, have they? No, Roy's a good manager, I think. Uh, I think he's a decent manager, especially yeah. Premier, I think he's out of depth at international level, to be completely honest, but uh, with England at least. But mm. yeah, I think steady Premier League manager. Yeah, they have a. Well, I mean, Zaha helps, but they have a very sort of clear way of playing, don't they? Just yeah. to get a hit on the chance. It must be 10 years now they've been in the Premier League. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about something... Uh, well, I think something more... <laughs> actually, actually, two other defeats, but I think we can yeah, talk about them in, uh, defeats, in but... more energised fashion. So we'll have a quick break first when we get into that. Quick break to hear from some very lovely people who are kind enough to sponsor Blades Pod, for which uh, we are very... Very grateful indeed. So let me tell you about glistening kicks. If you ever look down at your shoes and trainers, think they could use a bit of a touch-up, which I do constantly, to be honest, because mine are a complete state at the moment. Look no further than glistening kicks. They are a Sheffield-based business who deliver high-end cleaning, restoration, and weather treatment services for shoes, sneakers, and trainers. Very useful this time of year, of course. Glistening kicks will remove loose dirt and debris that give laces, shoes and midsoles a deep clean can also touch up any scuffs or imperfections if you're looking for a repaint due to damage or general wear and tear they can take care of that for you as well whether it's a pair of designer shoes or a well-loved much worn set of favorite trainers glistening kicks offer local collection and return in sheffield and the surrounding areas including rotherham barnsley chesterfield and other locations in south yorkshire and derbyshire They also offer nationwide shipping via their safe, fast and reliable courier service so you know that your footwear is in the best possible hands. Should mention that Glistening Kicks is run by Blades fans. They also offer a service adding a Blades logo to your trainers or a Wednesday logo as well if if that's the kind of thing that you're into. I'm not sure why you'd be listening to this podcast. Although actually I suppose if you are a Wednesday fan maybe you're enjoying uh, United's current struggles. But anyway... That option is there as well. Save yourself from spending on a brand new pair of trainers. Give your existing kicks a treatment they deserve. Instead, head to glisteningkicks.co.uk. Book your service today. That is glisteningkicks.co.uk. You can also follow them on Instagram at glistening underscore kicks for a closer look at the great work they do in making shoes and trainers look their best. Now back to the podcast. And we're back. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned at the top, um, I wanted to have something more... Uh, kind of energetic, engaging to talk about than our, our latest Interesting. defeat. Interesting, yeah, there we go. Um, and yeah, kind of, it, it was sort of born out of uh, a throwaway comment from last week where we were saying like United should just 
should just screen like the David Weir games just so we yeah. can remind ourselves of how bad it used to be. <clears throat> and and kind of motivated from that, I was thinking, let's we're gonna call this section Memorable Match, I believe. And it's it's a game that is uh I guess meaningful for uh for us for individual reasons, but also has some kind of I guess uh, grander significance for United. What we're not gonna do here is pick out um like games that everybody is aware of. So for example, the Battle of Bramall Lane or like a playoff final or an FA Cup semi-final. There is uh, plenty of um, stuff out there written and recorded about those already. So we're going to dip into, uh, hopefully every week, but certainly starting this week, uh, games of other significance that maybe aren't getting the airtime that, uh, that that maybe they deserve if you're a United fan. Maybe for uh, for good reasons, but uh, yeah, maybe some have just gone uh, gone under the radar a little bit. Um, so we both picked one. Uh, I was in attendance for both of these. Do you want to? Do you want to start? I'll start. I wasn't in attendance for this because I was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was some sort of school record or achievement thing so i'll tell you mm-hmm. that but it's the the one of the most infamous matches i think of all time and it's port vale tuesday night november 23rd 1999 3-1 defeat i think everyone who's followed united it's become a meme on it this 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 game to be fair um at the point with adrian east our manager we were fourth bottom three wins from 18 port vale exactly the same point just above us on goal difference um and yes, it was a big game, really. We'd just come off the back of a 1-1 draw at Stockport, which were a poor result at the time. And I'm reading the programme and pre-match, Adrian E's talking about his new signings, Brian Launders and Sag- Saggy Burton. Do you, do, you, do you remember anything about those two players? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, <laughs> certainly with Burton, I have a memory of his career ending for reasons that I'm not going to put on record on Infamously. here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where, because then I Googled this. I was like, well, maybe I just imagined that entire thing. But let's, let's just say he was he was only with us for a very short period of time before, uh, before Never played a game, never played a minute, in fact. Yes, I, I always remembered him as Saggy Burton. I don't know if it was pronounced that See, way. Saggy but... Saggy, you're probably right, you know what I mean. Yeah, and Brian Launders, yeah, who... Uh... Brian Launders was taken off after 10 minutes in the previous match against Stockport due to concussion, and he never played for us again. But yeah, Adrian, that's right. Yeah, and Adrian Heath in the programme now said that uh, they will both become firm favourites. Between them, they played 10 minutes. So. <laughs> Adrian uh, Heath yeah, this... was not... I would say Adrian Heath was our worst manager until Adkins... Weir? Until Weir, I'd say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say until Weir, Adrian Eat. I don't know, do you know what, though? I'll stick up for him to a degree. He brought in some all right players, like Marcus Ben, Martin Smith were, were all right for, mm. for a while. Um, Sean Murphy, he brought him. You know, he, he was obviously yeah. a good player for us. Whereas, I always say, like, for instance, Brian Robson had so much money to spend and just, what, we were 15 to something when he left. So yeah. I think I'd sort of bat for Heath that he had no money at all, which Warnock says in his programme, which we'll come on to in a bit. But uh, but yeah, before this game, uh, pre-match, the big news was Mike McDonald had resigned. Um, I was surprised by this because I always I thought he'd long gone by this point. So Mike McDonald was the chairman of Sheffield United PLC, I believe? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And he resigned before the game and he cited that the fans, uh, we weren't getting enough fans through the turnstiles. Mm. Um to to uh, to 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 do what what he wanted to do with the club, and you might say, "Oh, what an idiot!" We got nine thousand for this match. Yeah, uh, and I was one of them. And this is the thing you mentioned has become a meme. It's like, 
<laughs> it feels like you you are the first United fan I've ever met who will publicly admit they yep. were not at this game because it does seem to have become a bit of a rite of passage. I mean, yeah, we were pretty dreadful um, and I do remember things were... Uh, even as a you know relative youngster, I suppose, I had a pretty good grasp that things were quite toxic. Yeah. Uh, not in the dressing room. Like I think the players were just pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, certainly behind the scenes, so financially, as you say, I mean, I, I clearly when you mentioned that there about like we're not getting enough fans, I do remember there was like a, it became a thing of like we need X thousand fans every week in order to break even. That I think of. it was twenty thousand fans. It says in the program to break even. Right. Weirdly, well, the program at this time as well is there's an unbelievable amount of talk about mergers with Wednesday. Uh, really. One person who still posts on the S two board now, Large Mendonca. I've just looked at the name on the way. He says that he wanted, because Wednesday went down this season from the Premier League, he wanted Wednesday to stay up because he thought that Wednesday going down would bring the merger closer. That's how realistic it was at this point. People were taught that the entire programme is talking, like in the, in the fan pages, all about this potential merger. You don't hear about that anymore, do you? That's a great, no. that's a great sort of late 90s football paranoia <laughs> yeah. thread, that one. It was a real fear. And people, and like I say, he, he was saying, because I read it at first, because I watched Jeffrey Wednesday to stay up, and I'm like, who's this idiot? Like, then I read his points, and what he was saying is, because Dave Bassett had come out in the press a couple of weeks before and said the only way Sheffield, any Sheffield club will be successful is by merging. So it was a, a real thing. Um, but anyway, back to the game. Obviously, we went 1-0 up, uh, Lee Sanford scored. And we were actually winning at half time, but then a, like a terrible second half, so I was lose three one. Port Vale had a man sent off near the end, but it didn't matter. Another another Roy Toilet anecdote coming up here. <laughs> um because we I were underage here, but we went into town, so I must have been underage drinking for some reason and, and trying to I remember being in Capital, remember the, the club? It does ring a bell, but I don't think I ever went in. Where was that? No, I think it might have got shut down when I was about eighteen or something. <laughs> I clearly remember being in there. I knew we'd lost three ones. We were at some event thing and um, being in the toilet and uh, saying something along the lines of, I can't believe I lost 3-1 to, to my mate. And this guy who I didn't know turned around and goes, oh, do you know Heath's re- uh, resigned? I said, what oh, really has he? And he goes, oh, my God, I'm quite happy because he, he were awful, weren't he? But, yeah, but Heath did resign immediately and like immediately after the game, which you don't really see much now. It's normally sort of a day Next later day, or something. Yeah, yeah. This was straight after the match. I clearly remember... Being in you know in that toilet and someone telling me Adrian Heath had resigned about an hour after the the game had finished and he said about uh, his resignation he goes it's not easy to quit but I think it was the right thing to do for everyone concerned I just feel the club needs a change um, he went out with one of the worst records of any Blades manager ever and Russell Slade took temporary charge for the next two before certain Neil Warnock came in to save the day yeah so uh, Adrian Heath. Uh, Adrian Heath's managerial career died so that the, the legend of Warnock as Blades manager could begin. Yeah. It could be an interesting sliding doors moment there, actually. I wonder but if Warnock... It's interesting because Warnock in the... Because I looked, looked at the programme notes for Warnock's first game where he looks about 18. He doesn't. He looks about four. Sad. You sent me that photo. That was really scary seeing yeah. the uh, 1999 Neil Warnock. Yeah. And, he, and he, the, the funniest thing like, I, I said it to you is where Neil Warnock says, we don't have any money. Like, not just we don't have much money. We don't have any money, he said. So, and I think he sold a couple of the bigger players, didn't they? I think he got money for uh, he sold Martin Smith, and he got about Smith a million left. for that. I yeah. think, did we sell Wayne Quinn around? I don't know. I can't really remember who it was, but we sold a couple of people, and then he brought in like to Jaffo and people like that. But in the program notes, uh, Warnock does his famous uh, um, 
uh, where were you when Kennedy was shot thing. You know what he said about when Dino Fjord off were uh, sold and he said, uh, yeah, it was like, well, you know where you were when Kennedy was shot, you know where you were when Dino Fjord off was sold. Um, but yeah, in, in the programme notes, he said that he applied for the job four or five times before but never got it. And it was actually between him and, do you know what manager? In 99? Yeah. Um, no. The last two people to be interviewed were him and Gary Mixon. Oh, do you know? I was just about to say Gary Mixon. That must have been yeah. lurking in my subconscious somewhere. And Derek that... Dooley become chairman. And mm. Warnock says that if Dooley didn't know Sheffield football, this is not in the programme now, this is, I've seen an interview with him after. If, do- if Dooley didn't know Sheffield football like he did, Mixon would have probably got it because at that point, Mixon probably had a better record than Warnock. Yeah, wow. That, yeah, Mexican, obviously... Gary Mexican, a United manager. So like you say, it's a sliding doors moment. Yeah, God, no kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, two, I, have well, I have several memories from that game. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of the few I, I left early. Um, I think uh, at that point um had to get a bus back home, so I was like, mm, I think I can get an earlier bus because <laughs> this game is pretty clearly over. So I left with a few minutes to go, I think. Um, there weren't many. Uh, there weren't many left in the ground at that point. Weren't at least. To start with. No, exactly. <laughs> um, I remember Marcus Bent having a shot in the. F- I'm almost certain it was in the first half. Um, yeah, it must have been, and it, it was like a for about six yards out. Ended up going out for a throw in on the far side. It's like it's one of them where like everyone stands up expecting it to be a goal. Like as soon as you see the contact with the ball. And the next thing you know, the ball sort of like <laughs> disappearing yeah, yeah, yeah. Off, off to the side of the ground. And the second one is, of course, the Rob Kozluk cross into one of the, the most cup. Famous things. I did. A, I was just talking about before we started. I did an A to Z of United sort of fables and stuff. I should have put Kozluk's cross in because I think most people, if they're around in that era, know what you're on about if you say Rob Kozluk's cross against Port Vale. I think just. I think Rob Kozluk. That's what a lot of people immediately springs to mind for them even though most of them weren't there and there's I can't find any video not <laughs> Rob no, Kozluk's cross the cross would be very niche if someone's got video <laughs> footage of that um, but the, the game itself weirdly um, this is the rabbit hole I've been down there are like season Port Vale season reviews for almost every season apart from this one and there isn't a United season review either for this season I think they went down this season right uh, I think they went down this season so I imagine there weren't much uh clamour for a Port Vale season review video. Uh, just looking at the team from that day, by the way, and I think you, you can have a sense of how well Warnock did to, I think, finish 15th that season in the end. Mm. Uh, it was Tracy Coslow, Quinn, Davy Griesbrex. Oh, Davy Giesbrex. Giesbrex, yeah. yeah. yeah Sean Murphy, Lee Sanford, Bobby Ford, Jonathan Hunt, Sean Derry, Marcus Bent and Peter Cachorro. Jonathan Hunt, one of the yeah. worst players I've ever seen. <laughs> Jonathan Hunt played well once against Wolves. <laughs> that were it. I don't, I don't remember Kachuro in this era, like in this I season. Again, it's another one where I shocked myself. I was like, Kachuro? Like, I'm sure he'd left like the season before that, but yeah, I wonder where was it? It was Martin Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, Martin Smith did yeah. play this game. Um, yeah, he was still here. He played under Warnock a few times. I'm just looking. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And Warnock sold him, and he sold somebody else. He might have been Woodhouse. Mm. Yeah, not, they sold someone else and got some money. We bought Michael Brown. Warnock's first signing with Michael Brown. I think Woodhouse might have left at the end of this season. He joined Birmingham. Just looking now, he joined Birmingham in two thousand one. Yeah, we got a million for him, didn't we? Mm. Um, which was. But he, he did his famous wheel and dealing. Obviously, they didn't all come off. He bought a lot of poor strikers as he normally does. But fair play to him because we were awful. We were third from bottom. Won three games. 
just comp- nothing about us at all. And um, yeah, and Warnock, we had a good run under Warnock, and then uh, he uh, we, we ended up finishing fifteenth. And another anecdote from that season is he didn't turn up for the five nil defeat away at Fulham that season because he yeah. went scouting. I've never known a manager not turn up to a match. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a 4-0 defeat to Fulham, that must have been it. Yeah. Sorry, 4-0, yeah. And he went scouting instead. Yeah, wow. So, that, so yeah, so Port Vale, we lose 3-1. Heath quits. Um, does he quit or get sacked? He quits, he right? He quit, resigned. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we have two games under Slade, and then Warnock takes over, and we win. Warnock wins his first four games, which is no mean feat. In I fact, don't think they conceded, neither did I. Uh, just the one. Yeah, we beat Portsmouth 1-0. Who? Where did they finish? Oh, they, they were down there with us at that point. Yeah, then we beat Blackburn, who were Went also mid table. No, they were mid table. Oh, did, that oh, season. Did Sorry, yeah. Yeah, uh, Birmingham were a playoff team at the end of the season, and Fulham were close to the playoffs. So a fairly tough start. So yeah. We, yeah, we went on a great run under one. I think we only lost this. We only lost two of like his first fifteen games or something. Yeah, like that. I remember thinking he were an amazing man. Like this is the best manager in the world. <laughs> yeah, and then it just it just absolutely collapsed at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. when he went on his uh, his little scouting trip that you mentioned. I remember um, my mates, a couple of mates, going to the Fulham match and being furious because we lost four 0 and said even manager can't be bothered to turn up, and I paid money <laughs> to go and see this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that was a, that was a big a big tipping point for the blades, I suppose that one, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether it's whether that was worse than we are currently sitting through, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it had a it had a swift resolution. I By suppose. the way, a little quiz so, question that actually, what were Kevin Blackwell's first game in charge? It would have been Fulham. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, not technically the manager, but he was in charge for that game. So yeah. God. Lost four 0 What side yeah. of things to come? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I'm going to hit you with uh, with my game, which is from the previous. It's the same year, but the pre, yeah, the previous season. That's right. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's uh, it's well, it's it's FA Cup week. That's uh, obviously our next uh, our next opponent is in the third round of the FA Cup, and I am going back to an FA Cup game in 1999, and that is the replay that should never have been. Arsenal versus Sheffield United, February '99. Now, pick this one because it was. I'm pretty sure this was my first ever away game, um, and I think one of my first ever trips to London as well as a city. Mm, um, I was in this one. It was Highbury, weren't it? The old. It was at Highbury. Did you go to the original game or the replay? I went to the original and the replay because you oh. got you got cheap tickets because the first game got abandoned. You yeah. got cheap tickets for the second one, so we went to both. Yeah, we we only went to uh, to the replay. So, what, what, if anyone has no idea why this game was replayed, um, I, I'm sure you're aware of it. But I'll just uh, I'll just clarify. So, we're playing Arsenal in the FA Cup. I think the fourth round at uh, at Highbury. Uh, it was one all going into the I think the 78th minute. There's about 10, 12 minutes left. Um, Vieira had put them ahead. Marcelo had equalised for us, and it was a pretty even game from uh, mm. from what I understand. Uh, Lee Morris goes down injured. Alan Kelly kicks the ball out, as you do, so he can get treatment. Ray Parler goes to throw the ball back to Alan Kelly for the restart. And uh, the Nigerian international Kanu intercepts it, dribbles forward and squares it for Mark Ovenomars to tap into the net to make it 2-1 to Arsenal, which caused some pandemonium, basically, yeah. didn't it? Bruce, you know, uh, take him off. <laughs> yeah, Steve Bruce was the manager. Um, possibly one of his... 
uh, I guess the high points of his blades management. I guess I, I really do think so because I think at that moment everybody was behind him. Like all I remember, I that match and Brucey, take him off, Brucey, Brucey. <laughs> like, like, come on, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was, yeah, you know, suggesting to usher the players off, all this kind of thing. Match finishes two one to Arsenal. Uh, Wenger. Um, it's, it's interesting reading some of the news reports from this time. There's a lot of. Um, you know, sporting gesture and all this, and mm. graciously agrees to. Bruce have is not happy, is he? Bruce says that he wanted the replay at Bramall Lane, didn't he? He certainly talks about how the players deserve a replay at Bramall Lane, yeah, um, because you know Arsenal were uh, a magnificent team at that stage, and yeah. certainly, yeah. you know, the, under under Wenger, they they'd fully risen to be the sort of the new superpower of uh, English football in the late nineties. And yeah, we we probably did deserve that uh, replay at home, but they they agreed to void the game, uh, so it's, it's officially disappeared from the record books, um, and replay it uh, a week the following Tuesday uh, again at Highbury. Um, so I mean, and this I never understood. This is what people always said was that Carnu uh, didn't understand the conventions of the English game. I was like, <laughs> really? You, you know, know what I think I thought Carnu got a lot more hammer than he should have though, because I think Carnu. He's, he's sort of trotting along. Overmars sprints from the halfway line to, yep. to tap it in. Yeah, all, all our players have just stood there, of course. Uh, very Got some flashbacks to this last season with that Newcastle goal, the yeah. uh, the offside one. But yes, it is Overmars. Uh, I think Carnu got a little hammer at the time, but I remember pre-kickoff and the replay, the match I went to that we're going to talk about, uh, Overmars was like, the name on everyone's lips, and it wasn't particularly savoury what was being <laughs> sung about him at all. Um, yeah, so this is my my only trip to Highbury, um, and in fact, we I think we only played there once more after this, which was also in the FA Cup uh, in it was two thousand five, where we we actually oh, did get yeah. A, yeah. we did get a draw um, and a replay after that one. We should have won that. Danny Cullop scored a header, didn't he? Which was disallowed for absolutely no reason at all. Oh yeah, that's right. There's also some. I, I don't know why I was watching this uh, not that long ago, but there's some atrocious fouls by Arsenal in this game yeah. that didn't didn't get red carded. Fabregas really got sent off, I think, didn't they? Yeah, he might have done, but there was someone else that uh, yeah. might have been Reyes, maybe like just flung himself into a terrible tag. But anyway, back to '99. Um, I don't know where my dad parked, but we drove to this. Um, so I actually I actually came to know the area around Highbury really well um, because I used to well when I moved to London. Uh, this was like a regular running route for me to get home from work. Basically, I used to run to Finsbury Park, and uh, you can still see the the like the shape of Highbury now. I don't know if you've been around that area since, but you know it's been turned into housing. I've seen videos, but I've not actually been. It's it's still pretty obvious there was a football stadium there. They've done a really, uh, well, I guess, a tasteful job of you know maintaining that that structure of the old stadium while they've got this massive. Spaceship that is the Emirates, yeah, just across yeah, the road. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, someone who came to know that that area and its sort of uh, busyness quite well. I, I'm still slightly amazed that, that my dad managed to park sort of within a two minute walk of the ground. So, yeah. good effort by him. Um, yeah, the the abuse uh, Mark Overmars was getting, as I say, was quite unsavoury before kickoff. And then who should score the first goal of this game? But Overmars himself, where the ball deflects him. I don't watching it back. I don't think Alan Kelly does uh, does a great job of. Um, Covering this, to be honest, but it's a uh, it's a one on one that Overmars takes very early, and uh, for some reason Kelly's basically on the uh, on the penalty spot when he shoots and goes into the corner of the net, and then Bergkamp with a truly magnificent yeah, second yeah, yeah. goal um, about twenty minutes later, 
I mean, this is the kind of goal that <clears throat> I think if somebody scores one like this now, it's like you see it on Twitter in minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. But in not to do a, an old man, uh, you know, job here, but back then, back in the day, you know, back in the day, you just you just weren't exposed to great goals like that as easily mm-hmm. as we are today. And yeah, it was a it gets cut back to him and just a, a, a genius first time lob, just mm-hmm. first times it lofts it over Kelly into the corner of the net. I mean, I don't think there's a player out there for me, maybe Matt Letizia, who has mm. scored as many wonderful goals than Bergkamp. Like, just I love watching them; they're like poetic goals. <laughs> yeah, I that I think at the time that was one of the first, the probably the, one of the best goals I'd seen, um, certainly from an opposition player. And it was yeah, it was really eye opening to just be like, oh my god, these. Yeah, they, we are witnessing like true genius in yeah, this player. Yeah. Um, you know, come off that magnificent performance in the World Cup the year before, yeah, yeah. Camp, and uh, it was only getting better over the next few years. But yeah, that lob, it was I was sort of right in line with it. And as I said, my first away game, this like packed stadium, you know, forty thousand or so people there, just an incredible noise, and it was quite shocking, really. You know, like whoa, you know, this is a a whole new ball game almost yeah. from. Uh, you know, from watching United in front of like fifteen thousand people or something at Bramall Lane, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was quite an eye opener. Um, we did get a goal with one of my favourite players at the time, Lee Morris. Lee Morris. Yeah, I loved Lee Morris. I think I, I wanted him to be. I think I wanted him to be like uh, the next Michael Owen. I thought that was where where we, where it was coming because he, he broke into our team at a very what was he like eighteen? I think. Yeah, and, yeah. We got good money. Did we get about four million from him or something? We should have lost was, that. Three or four million, he went to Derby, yeah, and I think he um, he had a lot of injury problems, didn't he? Anyone um, we sold to Derby, just forget about it, it never happened. <laughs> with, the, yeah. uh, with the other guy who we sold to Derby, Babakis. Babakis, yeah. Never did and, uh, anything, yeah. No, indeed. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Morris scored in front of us. He, he was a... Uh, he had a good little start to his... I mean, that's why he went for big money, I suppose. But he was quite a regular goal scorer for uh, a little while for yeah. us when he broke into the team. Uh, him and Marcelo, quite a quite a decent strike partnership it was really. amazing on that year's championship manager as well <laughs> so he was quite seen as like a wonder kid because when he got to like 24 on that we in the England squad and everything do you know what I mean so yeah um, but he scored a tap in in the 87th minute which is it was quite a cool moment actually just as a, a for me first away game you know mm. see see, uh, see like one of your favourite players score in front of you and Made it a little bit of excitement in the last few minutes, I yeah, suppose. But... I mean, it just it had to happen, didn't it? Two one. It had to finish two one because the first game finished two one. So it were always going to happen. But yeah, exactly that. Um, really good Arsenal team. Uh, Seaman yeah. in goal, Nelson Vivas, Steve Bold, Tony Adams, Nigel Winterburn, Ray Parler, Vieira, Stephen Hughes, who I thought was going to be uh, yeah, the next, yeah, the next yeah. big English talent. Over Mars, Bergkamp, and Elka, and then uh, it's a really yeah, good Car- that. It really was, yeah. Carno on the bench. I think he came on and got a lot of abuse yeah. as well, actually. Which, as I said, was probably a bit harsh to be honest. I, I loved him actually, Carno. Like not yeah, like not him. at this point, but the more I because he must have joined Arsenal quite soon before that game. I think. Yeah, he's not been there long. That's when people talk about him that he didn't know the the rules. Yeah, yeah, but I thought he was. He was a magnificent player to watch, so yeah, a lot of respect On for him. On the first um, game, by the way, I just remember of a chant. I don't know if <laughs> Dave Seaman had spoke with his wife uh, at the, the, around the time of the first game. And you know what I'm going to say here? <laughs> I think so, yeah. This and, uh, is a good schoolyard yeah, thing. I think he'd lost custody for his ki- of his kids in a, in a court battle. And the United fans were singing, Seaman, Seaman, where's your kids? <laughs> oh, <God>. So harsh. <laughs> Poor old Dave. There was a lot of... Uh... 
Yeah, I remember from some of my mates who've been at this game saying like he was just sort of stood there shaking his head after Arsenal had scored the second yeah. goal. Yeah. Like, yeah, this he did. He turned around and shrugged. I clearly remember people saying, "Seaman, you ever go at Seaman? It's Seaman's fault, obviously. And everyone's having a proper go at Seaman." And he turned around at one point and just shrugged towards the fans as if to say, "What? I can't let one in." Do you know what I mean? I can't. Well, not... do you? I mean, they probably should have let one in, right? I think. Yeah, I think. It... You've seen it since, haven't you? Where they just let teams run through and score if something bad's yeah, happened. Leeds and uh, Leeds yeah. and Villa a couple of years ago, yeah. Probably else would have let us score, definitely. I mean, he might, yeah. <laughs> and I think, uh, but he got his own back, didn't he, with that save at Old Trafford a few years later? So, God damn it, yeah. <laughs> take back my uh, defence of David Seaman. Yeah, um, yeah. The team for United that day, uh, Alan Kelly and goal. Good defences, I think. Sean Derry at right back, Dave yeah. Holdsworth and Lee Sanford in the middle. Wayne Quinn at, uh, at left back, then Devlin, Graham Stewart, Curtis Woodhouse, Ian Hamilton, mm. <laughs> Lee Morris, and Marcelo up front. Do you know what? Uh, That's the year before the game I picked. How bad did we regress in that one year? So we must have sold Holdsworth. Sold Holdsworth. Uh, we sold uh, Stewart. Yeah, Stewart, guess what? Stewart went to Everton, didn't he? Yeah, Alan Kelly. He went yeah. to Blackburn. Oh, yeah. Blimey. So we saw Marcelo. Yeah, Mar- Marcelo got to Benfica. He went. I think he went to Birmingham. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I think he went to Birmingham. So that's just in one season. We've gone from not a great United side to an appalling United side in one season. Yeah, I, I just Googled Marcelo expecting it to <laughs> to bring up the Marcelo I wanted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty far down the peg. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, sorry, he he had played for Benfica previously. Ah, right. um, yeah, we signed him for Benfica, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, went to um, went to Birmingham for a few years, yeah. And it was Walsall of all places. Yeah, it's just just have a quick look at this. Uh, I've just got a programme here. I'm just gonna have a look. Ian Hamilton was still there the year after, obviously couldn't get in the team. Uh mm. Whitehouse was still on his box as well at that point. Yeah, I think we were still still hoping for that recovery from injury, weren't we, at that point? Um, but yeah, it was uh, you know I know we've picked two two memorable defeats here, but I think they were memorable. You know, this one was like a uh, you know pretty unprecedented that a team can agree to replay a game, and that the first one was was voided. I mean, I I, uh, I don't believe that's happened very often, if at all. In you know, in I don't think it has now. This, no. I, I, I googled, and there was a couple of things where matches were abandoned because of. Um, Fans throwing stuff <laughs> because of what? What did you say? The sorry, lack of players. Well, lack of players yeah. lane. <laughs> well, there was that. No, um, I think a couple of matches where like fans were throwing coins at the players and stuff like this, so they they stopped and abandoned the match and re replayed it, um, or, or finished it and then replayed it. But um, yeah, it's pretty pretty unprecedented. And uh, yeah, I have good memories from my first trip to uh, first trip to an away game and only trip to Highbury. I've been to the Emirates. Have you been to the Emirates? I've been to the... No, I've never been to the Emirates. No, I've never been to the Emirates, actually. Yeah, slightly slightly different experience. Yeah, I did like it. It was a different, weird ground, Ivory. I always thought Ivory were decent, but then when I went to Old Trafford a couple of years later, I can see why they had to get rid of Ivory, because it just wasn't in the same class, was it, as a as a stadium? No, not exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, those are our memorable matches for this week. Any 
Anything else to say about that Arsenal one? Or uh, the Arsenal, obviously the, the one that I remember more is the is the, the the first one. A really exciting day that because obviously I were well, well yeah, still at school. What I thought, yeah. And um, I remember like going to London. It was a massive day out, like four or five mates and stuff like that. And I think we had like one can and <laughs> you know what I mean, like tended to be drunk and stuff like that. But a really exciting thing. And then the other one was a midweek game, weren't it? Um, I think I might have had to leave school a little bit early to get there. I would have thought. Yeah, you, you're uh, confessing a lot of crimes on this Yeah, I'm an absolute lawbreaker, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of underage drinking, but it was easy to get served that then, I think. I don't know why. I remember, like, just going into, like, a threshers. Like, over cam, yeah, not really. But, yeah, the really, really good uh, memories of away games. Like I say, I wasn't actually at that Port Vale one, but... It's, it's infamous. It's, it's infamous. I feel like I were there, you know. And like yeah. you say, everybody, you, there should be like 40,000 there. Because everyone's I remember that one. I remember that <laughs> one. But I, I wasn't there. Adrian Heath is now the manager of uh, Minnesota United, I believe. He's been there a while, I think, haven't I? He has, yeah. Indeed. Uh, the, w- we have a, a Blades connection with Minnesota. Because there's, uh, uh, what is his Twitter name? It's at uh, the British Soton. So he is a Sheffield United fan and now lives in Minnesota. Um, so he, he can't escape Adrian Heath. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, if you're listening, John, I read your blog earlier and enjoyed it. Um, he used to he used to be like uh, head honcho of the London Blades before he moved out there. So yeah. I was uh, it was he has written it seems the only blog actually about this game. I was looking for more info on it earlier, and that's out there. Mm. And he's uh, he's bemoaning Adrian Heath. Now, <laughs> is he still bad? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Maybe not as bad, but uh, certainly still pretty bad. I remember um, he turned up at Sunderland a couple of years later as assistant to Peter Reid, and mm. uh, I watched match of the day. Saying, "How's he got that job?" Because Sunderland were really yeah. good at that point, like top four team and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. think he was caretaker. At, was it uh, Coventry? Maybe. Oh really? Sometimes. Just check that I'm not talking total nonsense there. I don't hate Adrian Heath. Like there's certain other managers that I really dislike. To be fair, he just wasn't very good. I think um, I think I was sort of too young to uh, have this like full understanding that other things could, were going on in the background. Yeah, if you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. like I was just like we're bad, therefore the manager is bad. It's, it's yeah. a little bit like what you're seeing today from non well most non United fans, I yeah. guess. Of just like, well, your team is terrible. Why have you not sacked your manager? Not realizing, you know, there's a lot of other factors kind of yeah, at play. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, no particularly hard feelings about uh, Adrian Heath's tenure here, but obviously it wasn't wasn't the best of times, no. I suppose. Um, I will say just before we move on and finish off this week, uh, if you, the listener, have got something that we've we've missed from these games or uh, a memory of your own from them or something we've misremembered or something like that. Then, uh, then do tweet us at BlazePod at Panchero, and uh, next week we shall discuss. Um, yeah, there we go, mate. We'll, we'll wrap up that section there. Finish off the podcast talking about the FA Cup, which is our next game. Bristol Rovers, as you mentioned, away from home would have been a would have been a good away trip, I suppose, if only. Eh? Um, you touched on it earlier, so I, I assume the answer is uh, is yes. But strongest team for this one? Yeah, I think we have to anyway. So I don't, I don't know how many people are going to be fit, but. I, I don't I don't even know what our strongest team is though to be honest. So well, that is the problem, yeah. But how not don't start players who are not even close to our first team. Don't start Jackie Elka. Don't start Rodwell um, unless he's going to be. I mean, I suppose he deserves a chance. He's not played, but you know, I just yeah, just play the team that you think is going to be the team for the Newcastle game. I reckon. Yeah, win because a damn game. They need a win. They need a win. Yeah, I need a win. 
Yeah, we all need a win. <laughs> and I, do you know what? I, I, I do, I do fancy us in this game. I know that sounds like a really brave statement. Like it's Bristol Rovers. It's the mid-table League One team. I can see us winning like two-one or something like that. Get in! Imagine that. I, don't know. I just don't know what a win's going to feel like anymore. I think the next Premier League win, Travelling Blade put it like everyone's going to get drunk and stuff. But what division we're going to be in, like <laughs> when we win it? Yeah, I don't. I really. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine at the moment. So yeah, I'm. I'm with you. Strongest team win this game. I don't care what we're it down looks anyway. like. Down anyway. What's the worst that can happen? We get a few injuries and lose to yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. We're probably going to lose anyway. So. No, exactly. Newcastle, um, United are favourites against Newcastle at the moment for some reason, and the odds. If anyone wants to wear, uh, win a bit of money, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm expecting a call from uh, Betfair at some point because every week I deposit an amount of money, and then a few hours later I withdraw twice as much money. <laughs> Bet any regular it is. Uh, what does this man know that we don't? <laughs> <laughs> All he seems to do is bet against Sheffield United every week. Yeah. Um, your man Eggy actually put this to us. Uh, if we went down with a record points total and won the FA Cup, do you consider the season a success? Yeah. Do you not? I think it's a firm yes. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 definitely. We'll I think, ticket, win I mean, it's, it's, I mean, even if we didn't win a game and then we won the FA Cup, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. It certainly will from here. I think at the start <laughs> of the season... I mean, in all seriousness, I think at the start of the season I probably would say no. Yeah, like, because your Premier League status is more important than winning a. Yeah, but certainly from here, geez, yeah. I mean, if we yeah, if we go down with two points and win the FA Cup, that's a successful season from here. I think. Yeah, imagine that, yeah. that happens. I mean, I'm dreaming, obviously, but it'd be. <laughs> we've got to win a game first. It, oh yeah, we've got to. Yeah, you probably have to be a Premier League side, won't you? To be fair. Actually, I think I read a replays this year. No, no replays. No replays. There you go. So we don't actually have to win a game. We just draw them all nil-nil. Win That's our no idea. We can't even draw that. <laughs> <laughs> We're doomed. Um, every game is televised, of course, uh, which I stupidly didn't realise until I... Oh, is I, that, I didn't up. know that. Is it on BBC? Yeah. Or? Uh, this is on... Uh, oh, miraculously, I still have this tab open. Uh, we're on BT Sport Extra 4. Right. So Fair so, enough. Is it Saturday, it. this game? It is. It's two 3pm kickoffs in a row. Wow. wow. I'm really looking forward to this game because we might win. We might score a goal. We might yeah. have a shot. We should have a shot. Sure. We should have some shots. Sure. I've got to be honest, I don't totally care if we lose. Like, I, I can't say I'm going to be more embarrassed than I am for what we've seen the last few weeks. No. And the, I think we'll be alright because I think we'll get more possession and I think the players we've got Norwood and people like that are more suited to when you're dominating games, basically. Like, I yeah. think when people are breaking, then that's when it all goes horribly wrong. When our lack of physicality and pace uh, <laughs> comes, yeah. to the, comes to the fore. It, it certainly has gone horribly wrong. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, are, you, are, you, are you already gathering the views from Bristol Rovers? I'm really curious to know, um, you know, what their mood is, I suppose. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, to be fair. I, I will do it, obviously. But, yeah, I'm, I am I thought we were playing Newcastle on Tuesday. Got my days completely mixed up. And I'm like, oh, God. God. So, when I find out we weren't playing, I've got a week off. I'm like, wait. It's, it's like being on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Liberation, yeah. I... I mean, they must, Bristol Rovers must surely fancy uh, an upset such as it is. It's a bit... I think they could have probably canned the FA Cup this year, to be honest, because, um, you know, for for lower league teams, you can't go and get any gate receipts or anything like that. I'm not entirely and, sure how they went on at weekend, actually. Give me a sec. Uh, uh, Bristol Rovers... Did they, they're not a 
they're not suffering from COVID like the rest of the division, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm afraid I've, I've not followed Bristol Rovers' season. Apart but they beat Blackpool. Gary Medine's Blackpool. Oh, that's a, a good start for them then. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it because it's like, you know, we've said all, all season long, it's it's like an extended pre-season that we're going to end up getting relegated in. So we might as well yeah. have some pre-season games that we actually win. I suppose, yeah, 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 completely. We feel a bit better about ourselves. Um, right, mate, well, there we go. I think we, we had a good effort at... Um, at our, uh, I enjoyed it more this week because we memorable about, matches. Yeah. Although we lost those two games, it would, yeah, you can you can laugh at so the the, the uh, Smith lyric. Uh, I can laugh about it now, but at the time it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be that'll be the sort of epitaph for this season. I think. <laughs> yeah, there? exactly. Yeah. If we ever if we ever do a retrospective on it, um, so there we go, mate. We can uh, we can finish there, and yeah, we'll be back after that Bristol Rovers game. Uh, not with three points, but hopefully with uh, a, a game in which we score more goals than the opposition. Score a goal, I mean. A goal, yeah. A, a goal, have some ten shots. shots. I'll be delighted. Ten shots, proper shots on target is all I'm asking for. It's remarkable how joyless our season has been, hasn't it? I mean, just it, it's, the I moment mean, to moment. Oh, I, well, obviously, we don't know what's happened yet, but obviously the, the Moose stuff come out today. We're not sure what's happened, but just seeing his sort of... Lamborghini in that state, and I—it just sums up. It's like, what else is going to happen? Do you know what I mean? Best friend yeah. last year's had a car crash or whatever has happened. Half the players have like got COVID. Jack O'Connell's our best player is out for the season. I don't know what's happened to Norman. Everything—it's just—it's just mad. It's just that absolutely. I just think I, I woke up today to that Moose news, and I'm like, well, yeah, it's this season. <laughs> Pretty much yeah. I'm going to stop asking what can possibly go wrong. What else can possibly go wrong? <laughs> Seems yeah. like there's a new answer every day. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that this week because uh, facts are still yeah, we don't know what's scarce. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully we probably uh, won't know about it if we didn't have such a distinctive car. To be honest, <laughs> there is that. Um, yeah, hopefully everybody involved in that is uh, yeah, completely is, yeah. is safe and well. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll we will talk about it when uh, when. We're not speculating. I yes. Think, so yeah. Maybe next right, week. Right on, thing uh, to do. Like I say, it was just another thing you wake up to this morning, more bad sort of news, and you're like, oh, well, where, yeah. where does it end? <laughs> Indeed. Where does it end? Well, it, it ends here. This is the end of the podcast. We've, we've reached it. Um, yeah. So where can people see the view from Palace? I wouldn't have read the view from Palace. More more sympathy from from the opposition there. Yeah. It's uh, com or at Panchero on Twitter. They were... They were we got to the stage again where people are saying, I feel really sorry for Sheffield United. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's almost worse than them saying they're rubbish. There was a bit of... Um, I, I started to see this creeping in, this kind of like, we didn't beat them well enough, like team was yeah, disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> bad, isn't it? Kind of had that... Uh, Leicester were like that, weren't they? Yeah, a yeah, couple of people saying that they weren't happy with how they performed against us. Um, I mean, it, it was the most comfortable victory you can possibly imagine at Premier League level, I would have thought. They weren't yeah. brilliant. So, I, I think they play like that against 17, 18 other teams in the league. Then, well, 16, 17 other teams in the league, they, they lose. Yeah, but maybe they... They did enough. And why Why would you? What, yeah, I understand, you know, if we were turning up against a team at bottom, let's say we were in the championship and we're playing Wickham Wanderers and they've got one point or whatever it is, and we're turning up at half-time, you're expecting five or six here and it doesn't happen. You are a little bit disappointed, but at the same time, you've, you've cruised to victory. Yeah, they've, they've saved their legs. There was absolutely no need for them to uh, no. try particularly hard in that second half. Um, 
Nice one. All right, mate. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up there, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back after that Bristol Rovers game. So come on, Blades. Let's let's get a win. We're into twenty twenty one now. We can leave that terrible year behind us and yeah. start a glorious FA Cup run, just like uh, just like Nigel Clough did, that propels us to twelve points, maybe. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. I'll take your twelve points off you. Yeah, twelve points in a semi final. <laughs> oh, bring it on! I will say. You cannot convince me that we are worse than West Brom. It, it just oh yes, yeah. You you just cannot convince me of that. I mean, I'm I'm just so sure that we're better than them, and they're probably going to finish like twenty points above us. I know. I mean, this is the thing again. In it, the the I've said before that I think most, if not all, teams in the Championship get more points than us this season. But I think they take absolute batterings along the way, like West Brom have. Oh, it's insane. Their last five games have drawn Anfield and Man City, and they've lost three nil, four nil, and five nil at home. Mm. Uh, just again, I just refuse to believe that uh, they're better than us, and yet somehow yeah. we're going to finish miles ahead of us. <laughs> us two are awful, though, and we are absolutely. I've yeah. never. I can't remember the last time there were two sides in the Premier League this this far worse than everybody else. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to last season. I feel like for a lot of no, actually, it was quite. It was fairly competitive at the bottom for a bit last season, wasn't it? And yeah, because sort of... obviously Bournemouth, Watford, they were all quite close. No one were as adrift as us and West Brom in terms of quality, at least. I mean, I watched, mm. I, I watched a little bit of Brighton uh, Wolves in the background. They were three one down. I looked again, they were three three. And you're thinking Brighton aren't great, but they draw a lot of games. Streets ahead of us, though. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. Far, far better than us and West Brom. Yeah, so my uh, I've I've got a mate sports derby actually, and um, he was he, he messaged me a couple of weeks ago saying like, don't worry, every season this happens where somebody starts saying like, this is the team that knocks yeah. off Derby's record. Today, he messaged me saying uh, it's very possible by the end of this season that Derby's eleven point season is the third worst season. That's a good brilliant. Premier League. Never thought of that. Yeah, never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. oh dear well there we go there's a good place to end yeah. it for this week <laughs> but I, uh, I enjoyed not talking about Crystal Palace for the entire podcast yeah. so uh, so that was good indeed so we'll hopefully this will be the start of uh, a recurring feature and we can start thinking about next week's memorable match and uh, yeah if anyone's got any nominations for uh, less obvious games I suppose that they would like us to discuss in a bit more detail do some research on then uh, lob them our way and uh, we'll see what we can do I suppose um, nice one mate thanks as always for your time much appreciated as always I apologise for being um, indirectly the reason that you have to sit through these United games at the moment but yeah much uh, much appreciated building. <laughs> it is yeah you, you're going to be able to resist anything by the end and of the year and in years to come this, 10 years time if I'm still here um, I could do another podcast and say I was there I watched every 90 minutes of that season when we never won a game it's all the grandchildren when I'm 100 I watched every one of those <laughs> excellent as long as as long as we get something out of this season then uh, yeah that, that sounds like a, that sounds like it'll be worth the commitment of watching yeah. all these games right there we go mate thank you once again and uh, yeah I'll catch up with you later cheers bud thank you 